I want to read something to you. I believe the Lord uh, is speaking to me about this. Uh, just to remind ourselves, sometimes we tend to forget uh, what this is all about. And I just want to read it so you keep that in focus. Um, this is Matthew 24, verse uh, 37. It's uh, beginning from verse 37. He says there, but as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, or two women will be shopping at the mall. <laughs> one will be taken and the other left. Watch, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Um, sometimes, you know, we, we're so busy with the things of this life and success, career, and all of these things. It's very important, but let us not forget the purpose. We're waiting for our master to come. And uh, we must keep that in focus. Sometimes if you get so busy, you're successful and sometimes you feel well because everything is going well with me God must be happy with me and all of, all of these things have to be in focus you make sure you're living for the Lord yeah. it's yeah. so important because some people will be left as a new Christian these, the, the words of Jesus the parables were so important to me I think my pastor really loved the parables where he preached <laughs> almost exclusively on the parables and they stuck with me. Uh, the parable of the ten virgins, that was a major concern for me. Uh, let us not forget, and uh, Paul also said, we are Abraham's children and heir to the, the uh, kingdom of God if we continue with what we believe and hold on to till the very end. And I'll be talking about that today. It's not how you start. It's how you end. Because this life is so short. Very, very short. When you put everything together, you struggle at the most 100 years for some people, 120 for most people. Short compared to eternity. This is not about coming together. This is about making it, making it into God's kingdom and living with Jesus forever and ever. I know people have all kinds of uh, uh, teachings about, you know, once saved or always saved, you're going to make it to heaven regardless. I don't know all of, about all of this, but as I read my scripture, the Bible is very clear that we must live the life so that we will make it. The way is broad that leads to destruction. The way is narrow that leads to eternal life. And Jesus said, make sure you are on that narrow path. 
to, to heaven. All of these, you know, the difficulties and the problems that we go through is training for us to be able to, to live with the Lord. You're going to be king. Some of you are going to be over certain things that the Lord will make you uh, will put into your hands to be responsible for when you get, get there. I don't understand all of this, what's going to happen there. But I do know not everyone that calls on the Lord, Lord, he said it himself. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into the kingdom of God. Only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. Uh, it's going to be a surprising day for, for a lot of folks. Uh, if some of you have watched the uh, video of the man that was, was uh, raised from the dead, um, Nigeria was dead for four days or so and he was brought back to life. Uh, he was asking for his tablet because he was writing. And uh, apparently he had been in the gates of hell and said he saw pastors there. And uh, if you remember, you need to go back and watch. You know, he's, 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 that's what he's living for now, teaching people about this. He was a pastor, played with church funds and stuff like that. But he said pastors were in there and they were saying to him, all I did was I took, I, I stole church funds. And that's why I'm here. Uh, we really need, uh, tonight as I was standing there, that came to me very strongly. It's not that your righteousness was going to get you there. It's his righteousness. But you live out his righteousness. He's been given to us. You know, we are no longer, and by the grace of God, I'm coming to that message again. We are never in bondage to sin. Sin shall not have dominion over us. But we must live this work of righteousness through and really make sure we are living on the right side. Or else it's just all be just a social thing. But this thing is a serious matter. It caused the life of God himself. You know, if you read uh, Acts chapter 20, it's a very serious thing. I know we're trying to get people saved. We're trying to do the running back and forth. Let's not forget how important this thing is. This is a church that was bought with the blood of God himself. And you don't take it lightly. So we really need to keep things in focus. I won't be preaching. You want to do this. You want to do that. You want to be successful. Watch and pray. You don't know the hour. You don't know. I don't know why Jesus said we should watch and pray if you don't know the hour so the master doesn't come to us while, while you're not ready. If you're a Christian, you're supposed to be ready, right? So if you're not ready, what's going to happen? What does it mean not to be ready? You understand what I'm saying? All of these things, I mean, we should think on these things. These are words from eternity from the mouth, mouth of the master. His word will never return to him void. So all of these things are very important to me. Being a pastor, living in church, growing in church, doing work, that's important. <laughs> but I want to see him. I want to live with him forever. And uh, we must keep all of those, these things in focus. I don't know. We make our own judgments as to who we think is going to make it. I don't know until we get there. At least that pastor says some pastors who thought they would make it didn't make it. Unless he's lying to us, but we know he was dead for four days. And what he saw was what he was telling us. So that tells me this is serious business. And we must take it very seriously. It's not about church. It's not about coming to church on Sunday. God is going to reward faithfulness. Some people are going to be disappointed on that day. 
you must give everything to this business the kingdom of God Jesus said you must sell everything and follow this it's so important you can't play games with this thing you go you got only one chance this lifetime just this one time and I had to remind myself I got to do everything I can got only one life I don't know how it's going to judge but I don't want to miss it I don't want to get there and find out it's too late I've got to make sure I'm walking this narrow path the way I understand it and give everything that I know to give to it so that I can make it when I get there you don't know the measure you don't know how he's going to judge everything I don't know we really don't know but I think to be on the safe side is to do everything and to be faithful because I know he's going to reward faithfulness he said so himself no other judgment he didn't judge Christians for anything he said that you were faithful uh, and you stay in the kingdom come and enjoy yeah? or you're not faithful he throws you away from him so faithfulness is so important to him faithful about what? I really don't know search the scriptures find out what we should be faithful to you understand what I'm saying? It's so important. So let's not just make this thing uh, a religious thing. This is a life. And uh, I think my sister's death is really, you know, we brought that home to me very strongly. We have a very short time yeah. to be in this, in this life. And we need to put those things uh, in perspective. The eternity is, is really important. You do what you can for the kingdom. I believe that there's going to be uh, a reward for believers when we get to heaven. There's going to be judgment for reward, and some of our works will be burnt off. We won't get any reward for it because they were done out of wrong motives for people to see and think you are what you're not. You wasted that time. I don't know how that's going to all turn out. And I don't try to study these things. I just know one thing. Just to try to be faithful to God. Not perfect, but trying to do all that I can do in this life. Not for people to say he was a good Christian. I want to make it to heaven. Somebody saying he was a good Christian, he gives praise and all of that, doesn't make any uh, sense if you don't. If the master is not pleased with you, and you don't make it to heaven. So it's really important. And I don't know why this is coming, but I started talking about Balaam last week. And how great Balaam was. And it's not how you start, it's how you end. And it's so important. And I felt led to go back again and, you know, pull out from the story of Balaam. Because it's such an intriguing story for a man to be so well liked by God and loved by God. Where God will come and visit with him and ask him like casual questions. Who are these your friends that you got in your house? I haven't had God come into my home to say that to me <laughs> any time. There was that, that relationship with this man. And yet, he didn't make it. I can confidently tell you that when you get to heaven, Balaam will not be there. He's not going to be there. Not if we look at what Jesus said about him in Revelation. Jesus wasn't saying anything good about Balaam. Balaam happened all the way in Genesis. And in Revelation, Jesus is picking up Balaam and referring to Balaam. I don't want what Balaam did in, our ch- in my church. I don't want that. That's not something to say, good to say about a person. But he started well. 
he was well known by God and God loved Balaam and as you read the story God was doing everything to keep him in the straight and narrow but Balaam will not have any of it he had his own agenda and God let him have his agenda and he didn't make it I'm sorry I'm a little serious tonight, okay, but, you know, uh, we really need to, to take these things into focus. You, you guys are here because you love the Lord, and there are many people that should be here, you know. We don't know how these things are going to be. It's so important to me. I've made up my mind, this is not about ministry. I want to make it to heaven. I know I'm saved, but I don't know how he's going to judge everybody. You understand what I'm saying? I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know whether I want saved or always saved. The scripture doesn't suggest that. He says you should stay with it till the very end so we will not be cut off. I guess there's a scripture in Romans. Please turn with me. It's part of it. Romans chapter 11 verse 22. That makes it so clear uh, that he, some people will not make it. Even though they were beginning, at the very beginning, they served God. It's not going to be that way, the way people think. I, sometimes I don't like to argue with people who are telling me, once saved, always saved. I'm not going to argue. If you're living right, once saved, always saved. I don't need to argue. But if you're going to use that as an excuse to begin to do what's wrong, you're going to cut yourself off. Not God cutting you off. The prodigal son left home. Did the father argue with him? He left home. He wasn't at home. wasn't part of his father's kingdom after he left home. But if you read in Romans 11 verse 22, it says, Therefore consider the goodness and severity of God. And those who fell, severity, he's talking about the Jews. God put them aside. God was severe. But towards you, it was goodness. If you continue in his goodness. Otherwise, you also will be what? Cut off. If you continue in his goodness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. He's shown you before his track record says, record says he cut people off. I don't want to be cut off. I want to be part of this. And then when he cuts you off, now think about the Jews. They didn't know he had cut them off, did they? They didn't know that. Those things felt like they were it, right? And God has already cut them off. You won't know you've been cut off. You think you're still doing what's right. So this is serious. If we continue in his goodness, so that you will not be cut off. You don't take things that... God shed his blood for, for granted. We got to do what, what, it, what it takes to stay in, in the straight and narrow. It's not about God answered my prayers, God didn't answer my prayer. We have to try to live right and follow his goodness. Amen. Amen. Father, I just thank you tonight as that you speak to us this short time. Lord, I ask that you help us to do what is right, always. 
We're not perfect, but we want to do what is right. And we want to please you. We don't want we don't want to take what Jesus is doing for granted. Please help us. Help me, help everyone tonight. That this will really be serious in my mind. This is not just about living life here. But truly serving you from a pure heart, from a good heart. Being faithful to you. Just to show faithful to us. Minister to us tonight, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. There are four lessons that we need to learn from, that I said we need to learn from Balaam's life. Um, Balaam started so well. Balaam wasn't a part of the Jewish race. The Bible tells us that he was far away. The Jews were coming out of Egypt, going into the promised land, and Balaam was in Mesopotamia, the land from which Abraham was called. But God was working with Balaam. And the first lesson we said is, it doesn't matter who you are, if your heart is right with God, if you're trying to serve God in your heart, you may not be perfect, but you are accepted with him. He worked with you. And that's very comforting. I know Balaam wasn't right uh, fully. He wasn't righteous in in any way that we talk about righteousness. He wasn't holy man. But he was a godly man. He feared God, and God revealed himself with him. God has a way of doing this. When your heart is right towards him, you know as a natural man to do right and, you know, and to stay away from doing wrong. And because you fear God, and if that's you, God wants to work with you. And he pulls people like that to himself. When we have the right heart, God pulled uh, the Ethiopian eunuch. Can you remember him? He was reading. God told Philip, "Get away from where you are. This great revival is wonderful, but I got a guy in the desert. He needs to know me. He's confused." And Philip left and ministered to that Ethiopian eunuch, and he went his way rejoicing because his heart was right. You know of Cornelius, how God dealt with Cornelius. The guy was doing everything he could to serve that one God. You know of the people of Athens, they had this sign put up to the unknown God. Remember that? And Paul said to the unknown God, let me show you the unknown God. And those who were really looking for that unknown God received the message and they found God. When you have a heart for God, God will deal with you. And Balaam had a heart for God and God was using him as a prophet. And he developed that uh, reputation on this line that if he calls you, you will curse. And if he bless you, God will bless you. That's, That's what they said about him. So God is, a res- is no respecter of persons. If you do right, God, if God works with one person because they were doing right, he'll do the same thing. He may not go the same route. He may not do exactly the same thing. But if your heart was right as one man, he'll do the same thing for you. He'll bring the same resources, different kind of resources, to accomplish what he wants to do through you. All we need to do is to be right with him. Have that right heart. And Balaam had that, and God, he was a prophet of God. But he didn't end that way. That's why we're studying him. He didn't end up that way. 
The lesson two is the weakness you refuse to deal with will cause your demise. The sin in your life that you refuse to handle and get a hold of will destroy you. Eventually, God will expose it. You, you can have it. If you're working on it, you understand what I'm saying? Working on it and you truly love God and you're doing your best, He'll work with you. But if you just stay back, this is who I am, and you're doing that and acting one way in church, but you're a different person at home, you got a problem, you're not willing to deal with it, he's going to deal with you about that. It's going to be a real problem. It's not going to be funny. And every one of us, you know, I know the area where I'm, where I'm you know, weak. But the thing about our God, when you recognize the weakness, He can give you strength in that weakness. When I am weak, then I am strong. When you recognize the weakness and you're working with it in humility, it, when it's all over, you will have so much strength in that area so you can deal with people who have the same kind of weakness. But if you refuse to deal with that weakness, God will allow you to stay with it for a while, but afterward, that thing will destroy you. He's going to destroy you. I mean, he'll destroy your destiny, he'll destroy your life. And we see this in the Old Testament. I know you know of uh, Saul, King Saul. King Saul, his problem was power. And wanting to be liked by everybody. Did you know that that's a problem? You can't be liked by everybody. Accept it. <laughs> I've come to accept it. Everybody will like me. You understand what I'm saying? So I mean, it doesn't bother me what people do as they come to church. They come, they stay, or they don't stay. It has nothing to do with me. That's the way God made me. You understand what I'm saying? Everybody will not like me. It is clear. So when they are saying something bad, yeah, that's the group that don't like me, okay? It's accepted. I don't have to feel bad about them, you understand? I can walk away from it. I don't have to curse them. That's just the people. Everybody will not like you. I mean, they won't hate you, but they may not like certain things about you, you understand? But that's the way it is. But when you want to have everybody like you, you make a lot of compromises. And it will eventually, if you are really given to that, he'll destroy you. Because it's called the fear of man. The fear of man is what will make you in the house of God. God is giving you a word to speak to his people, okay? But you won't give it. You know why? Because you don't know what they think about it, right? What if they don't like what you said? So you're not going to give the word. God giving you uh, a word of knowledge, you're afraid, or God giving you a word of prophecy, or somebody speaks in tongues. I'm just bringing it practical in church. Somebody speaks in tongues, and you know that God wants you to give the interpretation, right? But you say, well, I've never done this before. I wonder what they think. You'll never do it. And God will pass on to another person. And many times you've heard in church, they say, God gave me exactly what you said, brother. Why didn't you give it? And the next time I'll do it. Well, next year you'll still be next time in. <laughs> you just don't matter about people. God needs people who don't care. I mean, not like you're doing something wrong. 
And he said, I don't care. That's going to kill you. But when it comes to God, I'm not afraid. I'm ready to be. So it's between you and your God keeping your heart right. And let people make their judgment. But if God is with you, when it's all over, you'll be on top. So that's, Saul was a, had a problem with this. Now, in First Samuel chapter 15, uh, he, the Bible tells us very clearly that when he went to destroy the Amalekites, God told him to kill everybody. He understood what God asked the assignment. He understood the assignment. But when you are afraid of men, he, he killed everybody but reserved certain things because the people wanted him to do it. And the, deceit, the deceitful thing in it is he thought, and he was saying to Samuel, I carried out the Lord's commandment. I did everything. And then Samuel said, what about this noise I'm hearing, the bleating of sheep and all of that? What's going on? He says, well, the people said to do this. Well, you're the king. You are the king. And Samuel reminded him, when you were nothing, God picked you and made you the king. We, now you're going to listen to the people more than listening to God. He wanted to be with the people. He's afraid if he doesn't give in to them, there's a chance he will no longer be king. You know why I know that? Turn with me to First Samuel chapter 18. I guess we got that. Verse 7 and 8. He says, so the, the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Remember that? Saul has slain. Now, it, it, it shouldn't bother him, like you bother him, but look at what Saul was concerned about. He said, then Saul was very angry, because it seemed like the people were liking David more. Saul was very angry. And the saying displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed to David ten thousand, and to me they have ascribed only thousand. Now, what more can he have but the kingdom? See, he was more afraid of power, they, they're going to throw me out now. He was more concerned about how the people, with God has anointed you, God was the one that put you in place as the king. Who's going to take you away from it? But he was too afraid of the people. That was his problem. And because of that fear, he developed jealousy. And or he spent the rest of his life chasing after David till he died. I can guarantee you if David was with Saul, on Mount Gabor, Saul wouldn't have died. The truth. If David was with Saul, and David knew to follow his master, if David was on Mount Gabor with Saul, nobody touched Saul. All the mighty men would be with David. There is no way Saul would have died. He committed suicide. I want a man that God anointed called, separated, and God bragged on him. It didn't end well because he wouldn't deal with his, his weakness, his problem. You remember Samson? His own problem was lost. Samson would not deal with it. For some reason, he preferred the ladies on the other side. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> the ladies on the other side. You got your own ladies? No. You want the other ladies on the other side. And he won't let it go. 
And uh, this was somebody that God anointed to be the judge of the whole land, you know, like a king. And then when it was all over, Judges chapter 16 verse 21 says, The Philistines took him and put out his eyes. They put out his eyes. He wouldn't deal with his weakness. Uh, after they put out his eyes, that was the end of Samson. I knew he ended up at the very end. He pulled down everything and people died. But that was not God's perfect will for his life. He wouldn't deal with his weakness. The weakness that you will not deal with will eventually cause your destruction and destroy your destiny. That happened to Samson. Balaam's one was different. His was money. He wanted the money. And God couldn't stop him. He, he wanted that money so badly. And he destroyed himself. Second Peter chapter 2 verse 15 said, They have forsaken the right way and gone astray. Forsaken the right way. These are Christians now. Talking about them. They forsook. They forsook the right way. They went astray following the way of Balaam. The son of Baal. That's in the New Testament are going back to Balaam who loved the wages of unrighteousness. He wanted money. God told him, don't curse them. He was going to do whatever he could to get some money. I don't know if you know what he did. When he saw that he couldn't curse them, Balaam, he knew the ways of God. So he advised Balak, get your pretty ladies and let them go into their camp. Remember, God told them, don't fight with Moab. Remember, we said that last week. God said, don't fight with Moab. So they would not fight with them. So they were living inside them, you know. So he said them, this is the way God will curse them. They were not fighting them. So Balaam said, okay, get your pretty ladies and let them go entice them. And if they start committing fornication with your pretty ladies, then God will curse them. And that's what happened. I don't know if you remember one of, uh, what's the name of uh, Aaron's son, priest when he saw one of the men bringing in a lady and he just took his javelin and got through both of them and God says I like that guy <laughs> I like him for killing those people that was because of Balaam's advice so he could at least get some money because Balak said custom for me he said, I can't do that but I got something good to give it to you give me the money He didn't end up very well, and we're coming to that. Third thing is, uh, I talked about events totally removed from you can shape or destroy your destiny. Uh, you have nothing to do with it, but what when these things come to you? All of a sudden, it seems like they are bringing something that is good. They're suggesting for you to do this, you will make a lot of money. Okay? But what they're asking you to do is unethical. But you make a lot of money. You may make some money for a while, but you have a God of heaven. That thing could destroy you. You may wind up in prison someday. And it's all over for you. So, Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Remember that? Daniel was minding his business 
And Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. But the dream actually was to promote Nebuchadnezzar. So it's not always the bad and negative thing. Something positive can happen and the way you handle it will determine what happens with your destiny. But you change your destiny depending on the way, the way you handle it. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and he said, I forgot my dream. I need you to tell me my dream and give me the interpretation. And the guy said, well, we've never heard of anything like that. There's no one with red up or anywhere in the world that will say something like what you're saying. He said, well, you lie to me because if I tell you the dream, you'll tell me something. I don't remember the dream. You tell me the dream and then give me an interpretation. If you tell me the dream, I'll remember the dream. That's looking for trouble, right? <laughs> and if you don't tell me the dream and give me the interpretation, I'll kill every one of you. I said, well, he said, tell me the dream, give me the interpretation, or I'll kill you. And Daniel interpreted that dream. And uh, if you read the story, when Daniel got through, he fell before Daniel on his face, like almost worshiping. And promotion came for Daniel. I don't know how long after that he decided I needed to make a, a huge statue of gold, a golden image, nine feet tall. I mean, eight, nine, is it nine feet or 19 feet tall? 90, yeah, 90 feet. So, 90 feet tall and nine feet wide. Gold. And he said, I want every one of you to worship this image, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will not. And something that was totally removed from them is what determined their destiny because when it was, it was hard, very difficult, but they needed to take a stand and they took a stand. It was a test. They passed the test and God blessed them. And Joseph before Pharaoh, but Balak failed this. He didn't do right. But I want to go to the last one quickly. Um, Fourth thing is, it is not how you start, but how you end. Um, Balak didn't, I mean, Balaam didn't end very well. Numbers 24, verse 3, shows us how he ended. He says then he took up his oracle, and that's a, a different one. I wanted to show where the Israelites actually killed, killed her. That's not the right scripture. I wanted to show the, how, where the Israelites actually killed uh, Balaam. When they went into the promised land, they were fighting with those people in Canaan, and Balaam was one of those people and they killed him, and the Bible says he died as a sorcerer. They killed him, believing he was a sorcerer. But I want to look uh, into the life of uh, Uzziah in Second Chronicles chapter 26. Verse 5, he says that he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the vision of God, and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. So he started very well. He was very young when he started, when he became king, and God blessed him. 
then verse 16 is a different thing. It says, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. How did he die? Verse 21, King Uzziah was a leper until the day of his death. He dwelt in an isolated house because he was a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. It's not how you start, but how you end it. God helped him. In the time of Uzziah, God actually gave abilities for people to design machines for war. It's like making atomic bomb. They knew how to make machines for war. God really helped him. But then he became proud and he went into the house of God to burn incense. Now only priests in their time were permitted to burn incense. But they talked to him and said, look, you are the king, you can do this. He got very, very angry. You can read the scripture. He got very angry and he was yelling back at them because he was the king. And while he was still talking, and he said he hurried out. He, they, would, they threw him out, but he wasn't struggling. He knew God had struck him. And he ran out of that place. And as the king, they put him in isolation. And he never, God didn't heal him. He died a leper. It's not how you start, but how you end. As things can come your way, the, what you decide to do with whatever is coming your way, determines what's going to happen to you. Now the scripture, I'm looking at Joshua, uh, chapter 13, verse 20, 22. It says there, the children of Israel also killed with the sword Balaam, the son of Bohar, the soothsayer, among those who were killed by them. They went in and killed him. Now, he started off as a prophet, he ends up as a soothsayer. So it's not how you start, but how you end. We must always have this in, in mind. And I'm going to close here tonight. Always remember that if, if it was good last year, as you, in your Christian life, you were doing better, doing good last year, you should be doing better this year in your devotion. Then you are making progress. If there are things that, that come into your life and you're not taking care of it and you're keeping wrapped over it and you're one way like in church and one way at home or when you're alone doing your own thing, you've taken something, something's come into your life, maybe you've allowed an addiction, something is coming, it's not going to kill you, it doesn't mean you're not going to go to heaven, but if you don't deal with that thing, it's not only it's going to be exposed, but it'll destroy you. It'll destroy you. It'll make a fool out of your life. And we should be very aware of these things. It's not how you start, but how you end. We are all in a race. Remember what Paul said? We are in a race. We are in a fight. If something is coming to your life, that's something to fight with. If you know it's not good, don't let it sit there and act like it's not there. Fight it. Ask God pray about it. Ask God to deliver you. If you find your heart not as right with God, you need to look for a place of rest. Just like my brother, I really appreciate your testimony tonight, uh, Eric. 
you know, go looking for God, seek God with all of your heart. These things are very, very important. We must serve Him with everything that we have. No pretense. I'm going to say this and then we'll close. But Jesus was harder on people who acted one way in church and they did different, you know, when they're in secret. He called him a bad name, you know, and was really angry with him. He didn't even try to help them. He just told them what they were doing. They need to change. We don't want to be that way. All of us, no one is perfect. But if there's something that you need to surrender to God, you better do that because He opens the way up for your destiny. If you don't, then that thing is going to destroy your destiny. Not just in this life. But also, we don't know what's going to happen there. I don't know. But we need to take this thing seriously. Would you stand up with me tonight? Balaam's story is a very important story. Uh, Read it yourself and consider what's written there. Those things make us fear because the Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So I know I'm dealing with the living God, but I deal with him because he loves me. You understand what I'm saying? I want to love him. Not afraid of doing, I just want to please him. I want to do what is right. Even when I'm wrong, I'm doing something that I shouldn't be doing, I know this is bad because it hurts my master. And I want to make it right and move away from it. When you confess it, the Bible says God is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse from all unrighteousness. In other words, He takes all of that desire and the feelings away. It's a miracle. God does it. So that His path is clear for him to pour his blessings upon our lives. The greatest, the greatest danger is when things are still going on well in your life and th- you, are do- you are doing wrong. Satan is set you up. At that time is the best time to say, God, I'm sorry. Please let this goodness that I'm receiving continue. Amen? But I want to do what is right. I want to please you. That's what I like to say to him. God, help me to please you. Amen? It's about him. Father, we thank you tonight. I pray for my life and for your people's life. We need you so much. You said without you we can do nothing. We cannot do a thing. But we want to do what is right. And you've promised that your Holy Spirit will be here with us. You said you will put your laws in our heart. You said you will fill us with your Holy Spirit. You said we will do your judgments. We will keep your statutes. Lord, that's what you said in your word. You'll give us a new heart. You'll take away the heart of stone. You'll give us the heart of flesh. You put your Spirit within us. And Lord, we are new creatures in Christ. And we are dead to sin, according to your word. And alive to righteousness, according to your word. Thank you, Father. We believe fully in everything that you've done for us. And we accept them and believe in them. 
and we do walk in them. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.